Well, good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us today. Today is a very special day in the life of our church as we celebrate 170 years of Boiling Springs Baptist Church, and we are glad that you are here today. Coming up this Friday, September 15th, we officially celebrate 170 years of Boiling Springs Baptist Church from September 15th. In honor of that day, we will be having a prayer service in our prayer garden outside starting at 12 o'clock, and it will last until 12.20. There is a picnic lunch to follow. First of all, we are very excited to have a number of special guests here this morning. First of all, we have Kevin Cleary and Andy Washburn, who are here playing trumpet for us this morning. We are glad that you guys are here, and we appreciate your leadership in worship. We also have Reverend Bonnie Dowdy, who is here, and she is a member of our church, and she is here to speak with us this morning. Also, we have Reverend Keith Dixon, who is here this morning, and Dr. Carol Page, who are, who are here this morning um, to offer our messages. We are glad that all three of you are here this morning to share on this Founders Day. A couple of other announcements is that at 12 o'clock today, immediately following our service, there is a catered meal um, in our fellowship hall, in our, in our LEC, um, in our other building, and we would invite all of you to come and enjoy that time. We are accepting donations, um, but we hope that you will come and enjoy us for lunch. Uh, this afternoon. This coming Wednesday night, as we continue to celebrate Founders Day, uh, at 6 o'clock, there will be a special missions emphasis in the Lighthouse Room. We'll be hearing about some of the history of the missions in our church, and the children and the youth will be playing some old-time games out on the front lawn of the church, and the adults will be joining them at 6.30. Um, just a few more announcements is that one week from today, September 17th, uh, Reverend Deborah Gaddis-Reeves will be speaking on Sunday morning, and so we welcome Deborah here next Sunday, as well as Dr. Frank Bonner, who is the president at Gardner-Webb University. He will be here to offer greetings from Gardner-Webb. And then next Sunday evening at 6 p.m., Mary, my wife, and I are so excited to have the opportunity to be officially ordained as ministers of the gospel here at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Church. All of you are invited to come at six o'clock next Sunday night at that special time of service. We are glad that you are here with us today. We are excited that you have chosen to worship at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, and our prayer is that we would all prepare our hearts to worship our Lord this morning.
morning. My name is Anna McKinney, and I'm going to be reading Philippians 1, 3 through 6. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Our hymns today were chosen for very specific reasons. Since we are celebrating Founders Day, I tried to choose two hymns that were more than likely hymns that would have been sung 170 years ago. And more specifically, they were quite possibly sung at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. I don't know that for sure, and I don't think any of you would know that for sure, but we're gonna pretend these were sung 170 years ago. Our opening hymn today is number 202, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name, sung to the coronation tune. This tune links what is known as the golden age of British Baptist hymnody, the writing of the poem part of the hymn, and the oldest American tune that continues to still be in common usage today. And to top it off, the coronation tune was written by a Baptist. So please stand and join me in singing all the hail the power of Jesus' name, number 202.
Boiling Springs Baptist Church celebrates 170 years today and all this week. God has blessed his church in so many ways. Missions is one of the areas that throughout the life of the church, members have responded to God's call to go into all the world. The church accepted the mandate of our Lord to go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the other most parts of the earth. Today, let's remember, reflect, and renew our call to go into the world as we think back to places where we have faithfully served. There's two slides that will be being shown while I'm sharing, and you can see from these slides the 16 countries and the 16 states over the last 40 plus years that we have ministered to in Jesus' name. In the US, one of the highlights that I remember of my ministry here that I didn't get to go on was, was a trip to Gallup, New Mexico. Many of you went. We sent 52 people out there to share and minister with Audley and Della Jo Hamrick. Audley and Della Jo are from this area. Audley's out of this church. And they served in Gallup and in New Mexico for 32 years. Our church went in the, while Mark Jones was the minister of youth here. And they went out and worked on the reservations, worked at the church, did cooking, ministering in the community, even repairing vehicles out there. And I think Mitch even had to repair the bus because the oil pan fell out while they were headed out there. So there were many things, but the whole church came together. And if you remember out here in this area and in our old fellowship hall, we had one of the largest yard sales I think this town has ever known to prepare and pay for the people that went out there. Another area we went to was Boston, Massachusetts. A team went to serve alongside the Schroeders there who were church planters in Boston and they did inner city ministries there. Carol Tessenier Tate from our church served as a missionary through the North American Mission Board in Greenville, South Carolina. And many other places as you can see on the map in the states that are too numerous for us to be able to share where we did backyard Bible clubs, inner city ministry, and served alongside of those that were serving there in those particular areas. Phil and Wilda Perrin served in Tanzania and in China for an extended period of time and in other countries for shorter periods of time. Buddy and Meredith Moorhead spent 28 months in Honduras and many of you served alongside of them and went and did medical missions in Honduras. Carol Page has been many, many times to India to serve alongside the people there and our church helped to build a school and some of you were able to go alongside Carol as you ministered there in India. But we assisted financially. Bob and Raylene Lamb served in the Philippines and in South Africa teach, and also teaching in Belize. South Africa was where I spent seven, over 17 years in leadership development, writing materials, supervising missionaries, and teaching at the seminary. We do have a story to tell to the nations. We're not finished. 
even though we're 170 years old today. We can remember these places, and some of you probably who went on these mission trips or supported them remember, and as we reflect on those, but we need to renew our goal, our mandate that Jesus told us to go and tell as we try to make and mature and multiply disciples around the world. Where will the next 170 years take us? What other places around the world will we add to these slides where we follow Jesus and his command to go and tell? Hey guys, how are you? Do you know what today really is? Founder's Day, you know, is a big word. Do you know what that is? You have no clue. Well, you know, a lot of us don't know what Founder's Day really means sometimes. But you know what? I think Founder's Day is sort of like a birthday. And I heard a young lady say this morning that, if we can get the match, that she was nine years old and soon this church was going to be 170. So what do we do when we go to a birthday party? What do we do, Will? Do we light candles? We do, don't we? But you know, I couldn't find a cake big enough to put 170 candles on it. So I thought it best if we just light one. And when we have a birthday and we get to blow out the candles, what do we do? <clears throat> Make a wish. Well, if the church was blowing out a candle, what would we wish for? 170 more years? Be nice, wouldn't it? See, there's nobody in the sanctuary that's been around the 170 years. You're not, I'm not going to let it get you, I promise. But there's something different about this candle. Because see, we're lighting a candle for our church. And our church has a mission. And 170 years ago, on Friday, we started. We have loved, we have cared, we have given, we have reached out to many, many people through our church. We want to continue to do that. But you know what happens? Sometimes we forget. And we can't let that happen. If we want our church to grow for another 170 years, you are the ones that are going to make it happen. Because you've got to carry on the tradition of the Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Paxton, you want to blow out the birthday candle? Okay. Okay. So when we blow it out, we celebrate. Whoa, whoa, what happened? It came back on. You didn't blow very hard, but you know what? When we take this candle and we look at it, God's love for you and Luke and Paxton and Briley and Braxton never goes away. No matter how hard you blow on this candle, God's love for you and this church is going to last. 
It's 170 years to Friday and 170 years coming. So just remember God's love, his birthday for our church never, ever goes away. Let's pray. Lord, on this special day, we thank you for these children and for the life that they are going to lead for this church, for this community, for you. Bless this day and that we can join together and celebrate that you have been in this community, through this church, through our grandparents and great-grandparents. Our love has long lasted. Bless this day, Lord, as we celebrate you and celebrate our faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was a great question that Ellen asked. If we were, the church was blowing out a candle, what would we wish for? I want to encourage you to be a part of the service next Sunday as well. Today is certainly a special day, but next Sunday, Deborah Gaddis-Reeves, who grew up in the church here, is ordained as well and in ministry. Uh, we'll be delivering our message, and she'll be talking more about the future. And then the next Sunday on the 24th, I will be sharing a little bit more about what that wish might look like uh, as Bowling Springs Baptist as we move into the future. Today certainly is a special day, and we're glad that each of you are here. Uh, if you were a part of the, I'm not going to ask you to stand, or don't worry, but if you were a part of the um, history committee that helped uh, plan the events of today and this week, we certainly are grateful for your uh, time and energy that was spent doing that, and also uh, for the ad hoc committee uh, that uh, was responsible for working hard on the events of today. Uh, please know that we are grateful for your time and energy spent doing that. If you're here today and out of town, we certainly welcome you. Uh, if you're here and maybe active in another church but came to be with us today, we are so grateful that you are here. We have three former ministers that we are honored to have with us this morning. And uh, well, I say former, current ministers as well in their own right where they are. But uh, Bonnie, who is a church member, and Bonnie, thank you for challenging us this morning uh, and remembering uh, where we stand as a church and our priority on missions and taking the gospel uh, to all the world. We're also honored to have Keith Dixon and Carol Page, and we look forward to having you share with us here in just a moment. As part of our celebrating our past, our present, and our future, I want to remind each of you to make note of the bulletin insert that's in your bulletin there about our hymnal project. Uh, this is a great way for us to reflect on our past and keep uh, hymns and songs that are important to our traditions and to our worship here at Boiling Springs. But also these uh, hymns will be, oh, there'll be new hymns in this hymnal as well. And so you can dedicate one of these hymnals to uh, someone, either in memory or in honor of someone. So please be mindful of that. At the conclusion of my prayer this morning, I want to invite the church family to pray the Lord's Prayer with me. We'll be using the words debts instead of trespasses, and so be mindful of that. But now would you join me in prayer? As Paul wrote, I thank my God in all remembrance of you. God, we remember all of those who have walked this path before us here at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We thank you for their faithfulness and their generosity in both their time and their gifts. Their consecrated lives continue to radiate through present generations, and for this we are grateful. Paul also wrote to the church in Philippi that I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. In the years leading up to 1847, you began a good work that is still being perfected in us today. God, we ask that you take the flawed vessels that we are and lead us to be more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. May we seek your glory in all things and may we advance your kingdom both in the town of Boiling Springs and around the world. 
Teach us more about what it means to love you with all of our heart, our soul, and mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Bless and encourage those who have physical needs this day, those present and those who cannot be with us. Those present today in need of direction, those faced with important decisions in the coming days, reveal to them your will. For the many who struggle with grief, be the God of all comfort, and may may they feel the presence of the Good Shepherd walking with them today. For the missionaries, both here in the U.S. and around the world, protect, provide, and bless them with a fruitful ministry. For those struggling with with cleanup in Texas and for those in the path of Hurricane Irma at this very time, we ask that you would protect lives, that you would provide the needed resources that they will need to rebuild and restore homes, businesses, and communities. God, we are grateful for the history of Boiling Springs Baptist Church. And as we reflect today on the way that you have used many to advance the good news of your love, give us greater understanding and a knowledge of how to be your people in the midst of of 2017. Now we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
It's a real honor to be here this morning. And uh, as we talk about 170 years, I've been in Boiling Springs so long, I feel like I've been here that long. You know, it's been amazing. And um, I continue to be thankful every day uh, that, uh, I don't know, God for some reason or another chose to torture Cleveland County with my presence for a long time and what I've tried to do for the Lord. But uh, my time here at Boiling Springs on staff kind of, I guess, got that started. And um, you folks have just been a very, very special part of my life and Mary Ruth's life and our whole family for many, many years. And we certainly appreciate that so much. And uh, Mary Ruth could not be here today. She's doing something with music at Popper Springs today. Can you imagine that? But uh, certainly sends her greetings. And um, this is just a very special for, place for us. Every time I walk in here, I remember I got married here and that was a while ago. And uh, a lot of you were a part of that. And we, uh, we just had a lot of fun with that. And it's just been great to be here. I remember one special thing about our wedding. Well, it was the rehearsal day. We had a reception, not after the wedding, but after the rehearsal. And there was a little league ball game out here at the ball field that was there uh, before. And um, somehow some of the little leaguers got into the fellowship hall down here. And uh, one of them took their finger and just took a swipe off the wedding cake. And uh, I don't know if it was Sonny Huggins' pocket knife or one out of the kitchen, but he smoothed it back over before we got down there. <laughs> Great starting memory, I guess, of uh, all of our years together. I tell you, the time that I was here was just a great time for me personally. And I, I think uh, certainly uh, in a lot of ways, this church had done so many things, but for my life, to be able to work with T. Max Lennons is one of the greatest joys of, of my life. And I know that for many of you, and on the video that showed it, that was so, so great just a few minutes ago in Sunday school. That was just so very special. But uh, working alongside with him, he made an impression upon me, and I know upon you and upon this church, uh, that was just absolutely incredible. As a matter of fact, uh, as I have the opportunity to do a lot of deacon trainings and different things with ministers across the state, even now, I teach a lot of the things that I learned from him. Uh, if I learned to be a pastor of most any kind, he was one of the, one of the people who did it. And uh, just to be with people, to love people, um, you know, he was just, I tell people all the time, he was the master of the wedding and the funeral. He, in my book, he was. But also I learned how to sit with people through their tough times and walk with people. And he was always one, and that's been a part of this church and that he, and he wanted to engage others in ministry. He didn't just do it all by himself. He engaged other people. He wanted uh, especially college students to learn about ministry. I remember uh, several times when I was here over my time that he would invite those religion students and the men's steel students to come down here and we would let them practice baptizing. You'd be amazed how many young men called me as our director of missions and said, can you tell me how to baptize somebody? I've never done it before. And it was quite interesting, to be honest with you, to watch it a lot of times. And also to administer the Lord's Supper. And that was a very important thing, certainly to T. Max. And he wanted to share that. And what a great experience that was for so many of these folks. But he was just, just a great man in my life that I learned so very much for. 
There were a lot of people who made this church work and, and uh, certainly in those days, if I started naming names, there's no end to it, to be very honest with you. And, uh, but I, I tell you, Dwyer Huggins was the custodian here and he was just one of the greatest men. I think Mr. Dwyer was um, certified to teach every level in school all the way through high school, every subject of everything. Just one of the most amazing men I ever met. And Dwyer Huggins, though, was a man who loved this church. And I remember a lot of times in the winter, he would come down here at 2.30 in the morning to make sure the heat was on. Now, that's commitment. And that says something not only about his love for the church, but his appreciation for worship and his appreciation and his love for folks who were going to be coming here in a few short hours to come and to worship our Lord. That was just those kinds of people just absolutely amazed me and still impact my life when I think about them. We had a, had a great group of young people to work with too as I was Minister of Education and Youth and uh, you know, it's, uh, I see several of them sitting here today and it's always great to see these kids keep up with them on Facebook and see what they were doing. Uh, also, we had a lot of young, uh, the young people from Boylan Springs Methodists who came and were a part of our youth group as well and just did a great job. And I have been so proud of these young people and see what God has done with them. And as many of them are leaders in their churches and doing amazing things in their jobs. Had a wonderful music group that came out of that. And you can tell it's been a few years. I asked Mary Ruth before I left, I said, what y'all, what did you call the music group y'all had? She said, I can't remember. So we're both up there as far as that goes. But I'll be honest with you, that music group, and a lot of y'all remember it, who were here then, they were as good as any I've ever heard still to the day. I mean, excellent. But also just great kids. And Bonnie came up and she talked about missions and uh, I guess we did missions in a lot of different ways. I remember all the kids having the greatest time as we raked leaves on Roy Green's yard out here. And they just thought that was the worst thing in the world when we started. But then they were jumping in the ditch because it was full of leaves. They just had the best time in the world. To going to Farmingdale, Long Island, I guess maybe for one of the first mission trips ever taken here. And there are a thousand stories from that. They really are. And uh, Paul's over there laughing and he knows that's true. And then we also sent a request to the home mission board back then uh, for another place to go serve. And they sent us all the way to Chimney Rock, <laughs> Lake Lure. And we were in uh, a house up there and it rained all week long and we were gonna do resort ministry. So. Uh, we made it back alive because when you got that many kids in a place, you know, you wonder if they're going to kill each other or me one. And so that's the way it happened. But God used it in a very special way. I remember this church uh, reaching out in the community. Some of you may remember the services that we had at the BP station on the corner up there. And we would invite the community to come. For those of you who don't know the BP station, it's where CVS is now. And we would go up there, and I remember a few cold nights it was up there, but it was a great time where we would invite the community to come and we would go worship. One of the things that T. Max loved, and I know it's been talked about for years, is he loved the idea of what he called street missionaries. And he wanted people to get to know the people on their streets and minister to them. And that's a great philosophy even for today. 
We've got a lot more streets around here than we had when I was here on staff. And probably y'all are like a lot of us and you don't know all the people on your street. That'd be a great goal for us to have even now, wouldn't it? To get to know one another and minister to each other in a very special way. The ministry of this church has touched so many lives over all of these years. And I've heard the folks who were on the video this morning and they were just talking about all the things that they remembered and they were so significant and it built up their life and it built up their family's life. How personal everybody is. One thing about this church, I, I think it might've been Mr. Brooks Pearson. He was talking about on there, how we never did have a, you know, a big fuss or anything like that. And there were times that I remember in this church would disagree, but when it, Everything came together, this church pulled together as one. When there was hurt in this community, this church was a great body that pulled together to pull for one another and to help one another out. And still, I think that's true. And I think about all the folks who have passed on and who've gone on to be with the Lord who were real you know, real, tremendous, really tremendous people who were leaders in our community, who were business leaders in our community, who did so many things on the university campus and, uh, and also in their businesses around here. But the thing that was important to them, their church was always foremost in their mind. Helping build up the church was always foremost in their mind. Working together for the strength of the church and also they were men and women who lived out their faith every day on the job in what they did. And it was easy to tell who they believed in. That's special. And because of that, lives were touched and they were changed. And I think that's what this is all about anyway, isn't it? That's what we were founded for. And that is to be God's people living our faith out every day, wherever we are, so that we can introduce other people to the loving, saving Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians 5.11 says this. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you were doing. And I am so thankful that in my time here in this area, that that has been one of the great hallmarks of this church. And that is that in many different ways, you're encouraging one another and building each other up and continue to do that for at least the next 170 years. And it'll change. There are a lot of people, as I look around and travel all across this state, there are a lot of churches that I talk to that are really trying to find out now what they are founded for. They need to have almost another Founders Day again. They're trying to find out their place in this changing world and their mission and their purpose in this changing world. And that purpose, I think, that every church is founded for is to keep their eyes on Jesus and also to share his love and his grace with others. Live out our faith so that they can, we can be examples of Christ. So that more and more people 
can come to know the wonderful saving knowledge of Christ and then be a part of the body of Christ where we can build each other up. I want to say personally, thank you for encouraging me and being folks who have helped build me up so that I can be the kind of person Christ wants me to be. But thank you for being a part of Boyle Springs community where you stood up for Christ and stood up and stood out as people who love and who care. And may God continue to build all of us up so that we can do that. I celebrate this Founders Day, but I celebrate even more what God's doing every day through his people here in this place. God bless you. Thank you. Our second hymn is a newer hymn, Candles of Witness, written by Doug Bryan, one of our own members, and dedicated, as you can see in your order of service, to past, present, and future members of Boiling Springs Baptist Church. And you can read on the insert um, the footnotes that talk about the history of Boiling Springs Baptist. So if you would, please stand and join me in singing Candles of Witness.
May we pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we are privileged, as all your people are, to be a witness of your love and your grace, of your openness to all. Our Father, we thank thee that you have allowed this body to grow into the body that it is today over these 170 years. Help us, Lord, to remember that we are to continue the very best of witness for Christ the Lord. Help us, O Lord, to also remember that we are one among many, that there are other places of witness whose candles shine for thee. As we come to this moment of giving, Let us remember the places today that are not able to have church services because of weather, because of disaster, perhaps because of persecution, perhaps for any number of reasons. Take what we give, O Lord, multiply it, And may we truly discover day by day the witness to the good news that we are to share for thy love and for thy grace. We are grateful. We ask, O Lord, that your witness would grow day by day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
is great uh, to be back with you this morning, an opportunity for Linda and I to share with you the folks who have encouraged us and blessed us for so many years. It's a wonderful time to be back here today to be a part of this time as we celebrate. And indeed, as the slideshow reminds us, most of us were younger way back then when we were celebrating that sesquicentennial. But indeed, it has been a great time and the many remembrances that both Bonnie and Keith have shared of how God has continued to bless in those intervening 20 years even from 1997 until 2017, the way that God has blessed this church and continues to use you as his servants. And indeed, I continue to pray for you and am confident that God will continue to use this church in so many different ways. You know, it came out, uh, you know, as Keith was sharing memories, I thought I might do that, but I decided against that because after all, you know, when you have in 19, uh, 1992, when Klein Hamrick gives you a tour of Boiling Springs, and the highlights are, up there's the sewage treatment plant. <laughs> and I need to take you by Shadyside Dragway. <laughs> Leave it to Klein to introduce a family to Boiling Springs. But indeed, it was, has been a sweet and wonderful time as we have shared here in this community. David Stendhal Rost wrote about gratitude and he said, the root of joy is gratefulness. It's not joy that makes us grateful, it's gratitude that makes us joyful. I think that's true. You know, today is filled with joy because everyone in this sanctuary has much for which they can be grateful. If you think about this church and not just this church building, even though it is a beautiful place, but this church, you, the people, we thank God. From those humble beginnings over across the way down near the Boiling Spring, when this church had its beginnings in the community meeting house, trying to establish worship here as opposed to sharing with the folks at Camps Creek, because at times the broad river was too difficult to ford. And God gave a vision that has continued to unfold to this beautiful church with all of its facilities and all of the people here this morning. We must thank God for men and women. And as I look through the photographs, even from the sesquicentennial that are no longer with us, names who we know but they will, and they will never be forgotten. We must be thankful for that heritage. 
Indeed, for the members that we see every Sunday and every week, special people. And again, we must thank God. You know, God calls us together, and I believe indeed he puts us together in unique ways. As Mother Teresa once said, you can do something I cannot do, and I can do something you cannot do. And together, let us do something beautiful for God. You know, this morning, I have an opportunity to say thank you. I thank you for your support. I thank you for your prayers. You know, Bonnie alluded to the projects in India. There are actually three schools that in some way this church has been a part of establishing and right now I have an invitation to help with two more because those children in India need an education. Walking as you did with me through some very difficult times, particularly I remember 2009 when both of my parents died and you were there for me. Helping to nurture my sons, now all adults, but they basically grew up here with your influence and your love. Loving Linda and helping her, providing friendship, because it can be challenging to be a pastor's wife, and simply being my friends, I say thank you. And I graduated from seminary, as a matter of fact, 40 years ago as well, in 19, 77, and I thought as a minister that I was supposed to have an answer for everything. I thought of not knowing as being a weakness or a failure or somehow an inadequacy as a minister. And at that moment, I was full of book knowledge and right answers. That's what people want, right? Answers. Christianity is about having the right answers and giving the right answers, isn't it? But you know, those 40 years since I graduated from seminary, the questions have changed, not do I believe this, but why do I believe this? And how does what I believe really make a difference in the way that I'm living? For in growing older, I don't believe it's about adding years and gray hair, changing from that vacation Bible school photograph with a little color. No, it's about growing deeper. It's about growing deeper. And you know, what I've learned in my life is that life is truly about relationships. As young folks, we sometimes think life is about accomplishments. It is about doing things. You remember that story in Luke chapter 10? The, the lawyer comes up to Jesus. He wants to test him. And he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law, what do you read there? And the man knew the answer. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus replied to the man, you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But there has to be more right. What is living? And Jesus continues his dialogue with the man by telling what we know as the parable of the Good Samaritan, reminding us that, yes, there are relationships that we have had for years, but reminding us that there's always the possibility of new relationships. There's always the possibility of a new opportunity that God gives us just down the road somewhere. For Jesus is always stretching us. Indeed, we remember God. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He spoke to Abraham and shared his promises. He met Moses at that burning bush and he told Moses, I am. He met Moses again on Mount Sinai. The psalmist declared that God was the good shepherd. And Isaiah writes about a suffering servant and the list could go on and on. But Jesus simply says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Even God exists in relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit exist in relationship. And the message that Jesus shares with us is that that relationship is love. It is love. You know, since I left here at the end of 2012, I've been involved in one of the most inefficient and to some, from some perspectives, needless part of medical care, being a chaplain. And what do I do? I listen. I seek to build trust. And I have found that as I encourage people to tell their stories, that they begin to discover God's love and God's grace. It's in the remembrance and in the stories that we see God. I remember not long ago, I knocked on her door and the invitation was to come in and there was darkness. I was surprised had I woken the patient up, but little did I know that the patient was quite comfortable in darkness because darkness had somehow become symbolic of his life. I'm Carol Page, I introduced myself. I'm a chaplain. Have a seat, the man said. What church are you with? I'm a chaplain, I said. I work for the hospital. 
Our hospital believes that spiritual care is a part of the healing process. It's important. The man began, you know, I was the worship leader at my church. We started with 40 people 10 years ago and we grew to over 4,000. I played the guitar. I led the congregation in singing praises every Sunday for 10 years. How'd you get here, I asked. Just passing through and I started to have chest pains. So you'll be going back home? Yes, as soon as they released me from the hospital. We discussed his health. And I figured that shortly he would dismiss me and I would, he would return to his darkness. But there was a moment of trust. I can't explain it other than to say there was some presence of the spirit in that room. And the man began to feel comfortable and began to share. And God was working in the darkness again. The man began, I don't believe in God anymore. I thought I was faithful to God. I led worship. I sang praises. I talked about God's love, but it's all a hoax. God doesn't care. Where's God when you need him? And I realized that the patient was experiencing some dark night of the soul and it involved his body, his mind, and his spirit. His total being felt like it was in darkness and God seems to have disappeared and, or maybe God never was real. All of those years in church seemed like a waste to him because you see, for many people, their spirituality is about answers. But it was obvious that no answers were going to bring comfort to this man. And maybe it's not about answers at all. And I thought why he was revealing this to me, and it was 2012 as his story unfolded, he was so proud of his son, his only son had gotten a doctorate in psychology. He was in private practice, but he also taught at on the college and graduate school levels. He was an expert in his field. He was an expert in suicide and addiction. That year, his son was 36 years old, and that year his wife left him, and he loved his wife, and the separation and the betrayal crushed this son. He was a psychologist, but he could not help himself. One night he was supposed to have dinner with his father, our patient, and the son called the father and simply told him he wasn't feeling well. Would he take a rain check? And the next morning, the son's body was found hanging. He had committed suicide. The grief was very heavy, but so were the questions in the father's mind. Why didn't I pick up on the clues? How could he have gotten so depressed and despondent and I didn't notice? Why didn't I go check on him when he said he was sick? And why didn't God help him? When the father went to the son's office, there was a book on the desk with a sticky note with his name on it. The book was on the subject of coping with suicide and inside the book, there were passages that were highlighted. 
that the son thought his father could use at that moment. And on the other side of the desk, there were notes for a course that the psychologist was supposed to teach at a nearby college on suicide and suicide prevention that fall. And the darkness descended into that man's life. There was no church the next Sunday. It really hurt this man that those who followed Christ or at least professed to didn't seem to care. Another wound to his soul. More pain, his wife left him. More pain, his father died. The patient was a primary caregiver for his mother and she was in her nursing home with dementia. And for several years, he took the responsibility for honoring his father and his mother. And then three months after the death of his father, his mother died. And his family had all disappeared in the matter of a three month period in 2013, son, wife, father, mother. Domino after domino had fallen. The man felt crushed. And he felt like God did nothing. He felt like God didn't care. He felt like there was no God. He felt like all that singing those songs in church was rubbish. This man who been faithful to God, at least as he understood faithfulness, was crushed. There were no answers that satisfied, and he didn't want answers. He wanted a son. I asked the man if I could pray for him, and he said, yes, you can. And we prayed together. This man who didn't believe God anymore. Pray to God. I asked him if I could share his story and that's why I shared it this morning plus the reality that he lives about a thousand miles away. But I think that this church has been a very prayerful church, a very supportive church. And indeed, it does make a difference. And there are people out in this community who have lost their way, who have felt that God has betrayed them, and they need us. They might need you. You know, I've found so many, in so, so many times, the relationships that God has allowed me to have. There's beauty there. I remember another story uh, about a year ago, I was called to the intensive care unit at the hospital and a man was dying, it was just a matter of time. He was in his 50s and at least from my point of view, that's too young. He was single and his brothers and sisters had gathered around him and they spent the next two hours singing their brother to heaven. What a beautiful way to die with a hope in Jesus Christ. 
When I knew the song, I sang along. When I didn't, I just listened. And I remember one of those songs that they sang is called, Oh, I Want to See Him. It's by a man by the name of R.H. Cornelius. As I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow. Many arrows pierce my soul from within and without, but my Lord leads me on. Through him I must win. When in service for my Lord, dark may be the night, but I'll cling more close to him. He will give me light. Satan's snares may vex my soul, turn my thoughts aside, but my Lord goes ahead, leads whate'er betide. When in valleys low I look toward the mountain height and behold my Savior there leading in the fight, with a tender hand outstretched toward the valley low, guiding me, I can see as onward I go. When before me billows rise from the mighty deep, when the Lord directs my bark, he doth safely keep. And he leads me gently on through this world below. He's a real friend to me. Oh, I love him so. Oh, I want to see him. Look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. So, you know, as I look back, It never has been and never will be. Look what I've done. No, I would say, look at how God has blessed me. Look at what God has done. He's put people, special people, right in my path. And through them, he has blessed me. And he continues to do just that. And I want to thank you this morning because you are some of those people. You are some of those people that have been a part of God's blessing. Blessing to me. Blessing to my family. And like David Stendhal Ross said, I feel joy because I'm thankful for you. People who, though not perfect, seek to live for Jesus Christ. And the focus truly makes all the difference. And so for the next 170 years 
May that still be our focus on Jesus Christ. In him, there is hope. And always there is love. And the invitation goes to us and to everyone. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Thank you. Thank you, Carol, and thank you, Keith and Bonnie, for sharing with us and challenging us this morning. One of the things that Carol said I want to just close with before we go into our time of invitation, Carol talked about the importance of relationships and what makes this day so important. Sure, it is the 170 years, but it's also the relationships, relationships of previous generations, present generations, and as we gather here with hopeful expectation of what that will look like for future generations. And so it's always been and will always be about relationships. But I challenge you this morning, we've talked about Jesus, we've talked about his love, we've talked about our desire to share that love in this community and around the world, but do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you experienced that love in a personal way? We're gonna stand and have a moment of invitation uh, Candy will be mentioning some things about the upcoming hymn and the relationships that we have uh, regionally, maybe with that hymn on Jordan's Stormy Banks. But as we sing in just a moment, I invite you to do some spiritual inventory in your own hearts and lives. And where are you this morning in your relationship with the Lord? Would you desire to take that next step closer to him today? You can do that from your pew. If you desire to come down to pray, the altar is open. If you desire to talk about church membership, I would welcome that opportunity. Let's stand and sing together. You might want to remain seated while I explain about the hymn. <laughs> On Jordan's Stormy Banks is by an early British Baptist pastor. The tune, long labeled anonymous or folk, has more recently been traced to a female in South Carolina. Southern Harmony attributes the melody to Miss M. Durham. Just last summer in 2016, she was identified by a well-known hymnologist as Matilda Durham, born January 17, 1815, to George and Susan Durham in Spartanburg County, South Carolina, just down the road from us. Her father's father was John Durham, a founding member of Green Pond Baptist Church. The tune was originally in a minor or aeolian mode. For those of you who do not know what that means, it just means that it had a more somber or sad feel. The original tune was shifted from minor to major by Rigdon M. McIntosh, whose version of the tune first appeared in the hymn and tune book of the Methodist Episcopal Church South. I would guess that this hymn, like many stories in the Bible, was sung over and over before it ever got put down into a book. And I'm guessing that maybe the hymn for sure was sung at Bowling Springs in 1847, but who knows which version of the hymn they may have used to sing it. Don Hustad, who died in 2013, was a Baptist musician who had a distinguished ministry and a lifelong profession as a recording artist, composer, arranger, teacher, conductor, hymnal editor, and author. Rhonda S. Furr, a professor of music at Houston Baptist University who wrote her doctoral dissertation on Hustad's influence across six decades of ministry said, 
Despite the celebrity that surrounded him, he remained a genuinely humble man committed to spreading the gospel of Christ through music and instruction. Although remembered by many for his musical talent, his visionary leadership inspired and equipped generations of church musicians, and that remains his enduring legacy. Donald P. Husted is considered one of the evangelical movement's most influential church musicians. He was for many years the organist who played duets with pianist Ted Smith for the Billy Graham Crusades, and he often accompanied George Beverly Shea. I am honored to have studied under his tutelage and to have eventually been able to call him friend and colleague as we collaborated on a commissioned organ arrangement of Be Thou My Vision. In a more recent hymnal that Dr. Hustad edited in his later years, he provided an interesting mix of a minor key on the stanzas and a major key on the refrain of the tune for the Promised Land tune. I think this mix of minor and major keys lends a great interpretation to the message of the text. Please join me now in singing Don Hustad's interpretation of the hymn on Jordan's Stormy Banks. You'll find the tune at number 521 in the Baptist hymnal. Please stand.
we leave this place, oh Lord, may each of us say with the ancient prophet, here I am, send me. Draw us to be worshipers and send us to be workers this week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.